Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we want to talk some USC Trojan football, a little bit of USC recruiting with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. He'll be our special guest today on Monday of the Peristyle Podcast. We're counting down to Pac-12 Media Day and fall camp and all that good stuff. And of course, the 2017 season, much anticipated with Sam Darnold back and Clay Helton back for his second full term, full year in his term as USC's head coach. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. You can call or text us, 424-254-9141. That's our number, 424-254-9141. Leave a voicemail or send us a text. We are on the iTunes where you can subscribe and leave Feedback, leave a rating. We love all that kind of stuff. iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. You can also find us on Google Play. Excuse me, Google Play. And Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Audio Boom. A lot of different ways to find and download the show where you can listen to it when you're going for a run or driving in your car. However you would like to listen to it. Whatever you do, we do appreciate you spending some time out of your busy life to listen to our little show, the Peristyle Podcast. Going into our 10th season, Coach of covering this USC football team, and it looks like it could be a good one. It's going to be a great season. In fact, the excitement has been going on since the victory in the Rose Bowl. It just continues to go. If you look at all the publications that are coming out and the odds in Vegas and the overs, unders, and all this and that, everything is so positive for the Trojans. But when all this happens, too, you know, those don't mean much. It's what you do and how you play and, and uh, perform and uh, your intensity and consistency and being a football team and not living off of last year. But getting into this season with a lot of enthusiasm and hope you don't have the injuries that you may have, but I think this year's team has the depth that they can overcome that if that should happen. And uh, we'll see what happens, man. I tell you, it's uh, about time for kickoff. It is. We're uh, counting it down, and we just can't wait for it to get here again. And uh, like a lot of, lot of uh, hype. Heading into this season, and for good reason. So USC, we'll see where the preseason AP and coaches poll rank the Trojans, but somewhere in the top five is more than likely. Before we jump into the show, I just wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for any kind of sporting event or you want to go to the theater. Tickets for anything, really. Go to SCTickets.com. They've been helping us out for many, many years. And they can help you out too. So check them out, SETickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. And, uh, coach, we got a bunch of questions today, but there's been a lot of activity on the recruiting front, which is kind of crazy. Uh, since over the last week, USC's picked up, uh, five more commitments, couple of offensive linemen, outside linebacker. And then, uh, as of, uh, the last couple of days, uh, tight end Cameron McDonald, Committed yesterday out of Long Beach Poly. Got to see him quite a bit. Kind of a bigger receiver. And uh, they picked up a running back uh, from Washington, D.C., who was out at the USC Rising Stars camp. 
Uh, looked really good. He actually played a little safety too. I got some footage of that coach. Um, but Mike, Michael Salahuddin, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, and I know you got to see some of his film. So uh, I thought maybe you would, we would kind of pick your brain and see what you thought of USC's running back commit. This is the first running back commitment for, uh, USC's new running back coach, uh, Dylan McCullough. Of course, they're bringing in um, Stephen Carr from last year, and he's you know he arrived on campus. But this is his uh, first new commitment, coach. Well, I tell you, I had a chance to look at several of the new commitments, and uh, we'll start with the running back. Didn't take me long to figure out that he's a football player. He's got great hands. He's got great moves. I love his stride. I love the way he runs. Uh, I watched maybe ten plays, and I said uh, if I was watching him and evaluating him. I'd say, give me his phone number. And I would call and offer him right there, uh, uh, from what I saw. He's a, he's a football player, he's an athlete, and, uh, I really like this kid. I think this kid is the type of kid after next year when Jones leaves and Carr's back, and you have this kid coming in as long as his verbal commit holds up, which I hope, and I guess we'll find out in December when most of these kids are supposed to sign on their early signing period, December the 20th to the 23rd. Uh, I think he's a good one. I really do like him. Uh, I think he's the uh, type of back that can do it all, and I think they really struck it rich with him. I like him. Um, and then I don't know if some of the other guys, um, like Cameron McDonald I talked about from Long Beach Poly. I've got, you know, I got to see him a lot, big body. We weren't really sure if USC would take a tight end, and they were probably only taking two receivers, maybe three. So McDonald could have been on the outside looking in, but local kid, you know, he's – you know, same high school as Matt Corral's at now, so you weren't sure if that would impact anything. Didn't seem like it, but I don't know if you've seen much of him, but he's he's always impressed me. No, I like him, and he is a big receiver. He's not a tight end type of guy. You're not going to put him inside to block the tackle or block down or block a Sam linebacker. He's more of a big receiver. I think he runs well. He can go high for the ball. Uh, he's the slot type of guy, and also he's the type of guy you can play outside on the fade down at the end zone and come across with post routes and slant routes, and he's just big and tall, and you can't get to him. I like him. I think he's going to be a great addition, and I think he committed too early because there are other tight ends in the country who are outstanding players who are very interested in USC too. And I think it was a smart move on his behalf to get it done early and be a Trojan. I, I like the kid, like you say, and you've seen him a lot. I've seen him on tape a lot. I think he can play. I think he'd be a great redshirt because they have so many receivers and tight ends currently right now, and after a redshirt year, he'll be ready to play. And then uh, maybe we'll get one more um, from uh, Temecula, Chaparral High School. He's the number one ranked center in the country, six foot two, uh, 285 pounds, uh, Justin, Justin Dietrich. Dietrich. Well, I tell you, uh, we spoke about him before we went on the air, and I tell you, I watch a lot of films, especially on the offensive line, and I really like this kid. This kid is mature. This kid is strong. He has great footwork. I watch him in camps going nose one-on-one when guys knew it was pass blocking and they had the advantage, and uh, I, he got it. I didn't see him get beat one time. He's big. He's strong. He's not tall. You don't have to be tall to play center, but a lot of the nose guards today are shorter guys that weigh 300 pounds. And uh, I think he's a great addition to USC. I think he's going to be a future uh, great offensive lineman for uh, USC. I would see uh, him, uh, depending on who would play center next year, the following year, uh, being a real competitor for starting position. I really like this kid. I think this kid is mature. 
Uh, this kid is a kid that doesn't need to be redshirted, but if you could, it'd be great. This kid is ready to play Division One college football. I like him, and I can see why he's rated the number one center in the country. All right. Well, good. Uh, we like to get the coaches' evaluations on players, and it's been a you know flurry of commitments coming in uh, after the decommit of Matt Corral, who we talked about. And then you know we people want to know kind of what's going on with the quarterback situation. We'll see. You know, USC's put some offers out there. We'll see who USC has to bring in. My personal opinion, coaches, you'll probably have to wait to the season for something to happen. Like they'll probably switch, you know, try to switch somebody or there's, there's some options out there, but likely you have a better shot if USC kind of gets on a roll. You know, they're four or five and oh, they'd beat Texas, Stanford, you know, kind of teams like that. And, you know, they are in the top four in the country and, you can get some, you know, you can attract some quarterbacks for, you know, local or out of state, big names that, that you like. So I, I kind of think it'll go that direction, coach. I don't know what you think. I agree with you 100%. I'll tell you, you know, it's pretty tough to turn down USC when they make you an offer. Uh, people all over the country know who USC is. Uh, you had the running back coach on uh, last week, and I heard one thing he said. He says, hey, when I go on campus, it's not like another school on campus. Says, hey, did you hear? USC's here today. USC's on campus today. And remember, you know, it's easy to say, I'm solid, Mike Commit. I'm solid. I'm going to this school or that school. I'm not going to mention any schools. But when it gets closer to making a decision or send a, a signing a national letter of intent, I'll tell you, I used to be scared. When I was coaching at UNLV and I thought I found the nugget and I was trying to hide him out and all of a sudden one of the big boys found him, man, I was scared because that image of the university and the conference they play in and so on is very persuasive. And USC is a very persuasive school. I've always called it Air Force One. You know that. It's one of the top collegiate jobs in the country and university in the country as far as football uh, tradition. So a lot of these guys that say, I'm not interested, or a lot of these guys that say, I already committed, hey, they'll have a second thought when it comes down to the national letter of intent, the academic situation at USC, the success you can have, and again, always that opportunity of playing in the Rose Bowl and playing in the national championship game. There's nothing like that. I'm going to tell you, it's to say no to that, Ryan. You know, Coach, uh, I, I thought, I'm glad you got to listen to, uh, Dylan McCullough's interview we did last week. We had, yeah, like you we were talking about before the show, we had four podcasts last week after I took the week off. I was in Hawaii. But we had a great one with Colin Coward. If you haven't listened to that, go check that out. He knows a lot about USC football, but Dylan McCullough having a, the new assistant coach, uh, come into my studio and, and chat for a while was great. And I think one of the, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, a lot of the fans seemed to like when he was talking about, uh, running, um, yards after contact and how that was something that he emphasized. And, uh, I don't know how, you know, big of a philosophy that is for you, but what, what were your thoughts on what he was saying about that? Well, if you've ever listened to any of my shows, and I'm sure I've talked about it here on the podcast or any of the other shows I do, that is very important. Can you sustain the first hit and fall forward? Can you get the extra yard? Can you get hit by a safety and spin off? Can you get, uh, you're difficult to knock down? You know, these are all the things you look at, and it's very important to have great balance as a running back. Justin Davis ran that way. If you notice, Justin Davis would a lot of times get hit on the line of scrimmage and go down that line of scrimmage and get away and make a great run out of it. So I think the, uh, the, the, the yards you get after a hit, the yards you get that you always fall forward, you're always fighting for that extra yard, you never know when that yard's going to be the play of the game, that one yard. So if you add up one yard over 30 plays, and that's 30 yards. So uh, I, I, I really like that. I think that's what every type of running back should have. 
being physical, yet having the ability to bounce off or find holes to the outside and reading your box or the offensive line and run the daylight. I used to talk, get in the secondary. You want to get in the secondary as soon as you can, and then you've got a chance because if a safety, if you knock a safety down and he doesn't make the tackle, you've got a chance for a home run. So that's very, very important. It really is, and uh, I think he's on the same page I am. In fact, uh, I remember when I was uh, coaching at Long Beach State and I was coaching Terrell Davis and uh, got him out of Lincoln High School in uh, in uh, San Diego, and he hadn't played any one position, and I decided or we decided he should be a running back. And, uh, you know, Coach wanted to play him, and I said, no, Coach, we're not going to play this. Coach Allen, when he was there, we've got to teach this kid a position. And this kid had the same type of ability, big, strong, went on, uh, won a Super Bowl with John Elway. You know, certain kids have it and certain kids don't. And uh, guys like that, and when I coached Icky Woods, Icky Woods had it. Icky was a big running back that had it on the line of scrimmage, could run powerful if he needed to, but yet again could flash out to the outside and get into the secondary and then use his size on the defensive back, break a tackle. So, some backs have it, some don't, but uh, I agree with uh, the coach 100%. Um, coach, with the uh, we were talking about the quarterback situation a little bit, too. We had uh, Wes in Chicago had some questions uh, on the quarter. I'm sorry, not wasn't not my, my bad. It wasn't Wes in Chicago. It was uh, Chris who wrote in about the quarterback situation. Um, I'll read his first one. He said, is USC at times overly attracted to having three high-quality quarterbacks other current top-tier football programs have a circulation of depth at various positions depending on the most needed type of athlete or position. There's a possibility that Jack Sears may not start until the 2021-22 season if Matt Fink starts in 2018-2019 and stays and remains the starter for the remainder of his two years uh, and a total of three years as a starter. That would leave Jack Sears with one season to start, which would be his redshirt senior season. Uh, thoughts? Uh, thanks, Ryan, a podcast. That's from Chris. So what is he asking me? Do or do you get overly attracted to having too many uh, high-quality quarterbacks? Well, not necessarily. I don't. Uh, I think the, they're, if they're competitive, uh, they'll compete, and the best players will play, and they know who the best player is. Hey, you can go out there and say right now, who's the best quarterback out here? Who's the second best quarterback out here? Jack, uh, where do you think you should be playing right now? They know. They know where they should be playing. And uh, when you recruit a quarterback, he believes that he can university or wouldn't be interested in coming there. Kids want to play. But, again, I look at kids that want to compete, too. And you've got to remember you never know what's happening today. There's no loyalty anymore. No loyalty in the coaches as far as coaches saying, I'm going to be here your four years, and they're gone. Or and with the kids, I'm going to stay here four years, but they're gone. So, or they transfer, or they come out early. So, you know, I used to, I, I still say this, the old philosophy about team and me, it's a little bit different now. And maybe it's half and half, or it's me and team, or whatever's best for me. So, if a kid wants to compete and wants to play at this level, he'll come to a school that has great players and great receivers and where he can really maybe be a Heisman Trophy winner. There's only so many schools that have that capability for you. Uh, there's only so many schools that you can start that level or get that exposure. Right now, Sam Donald's going through that exposure. Every camp he goes to and, you know, all the new haircut and everything he's doing and loss of weight and so on. He's going to be a, a cover cover guy here in a minute. So, you know, and not that 
I don't think that's good, but I think it's distracting from what he's supposed to be doing. I, I think he should be more focused on the game. He's having fun. He's enjoying it. He's a surfer kid. He loves the water. He loves being here. Be who you are. Don't try to be someone else. And as long as you're playing the way you've played all your life and be who you are, really, just do that. And if you do that and you don't overcoach or you don't overthink things, you're going to be a great player. So, I, I, you know, I used to say you know, when I was coaching, you know, if I can get a kid and I have the opening in my, uh, my, my area and he's a great running back, I'm going to take him, even if I have three. I don't care. I'm going to take him because I'm going to make him compete. I'm going to find out how good he is. And, and uh, if he's willing to come and take that challenge on, I want him. So, uh, you know, I used to tell other kids, uh, maybe this sounds cocky, come and play with us or we'll beat you no matter where you're going. And uh, that's when we, you know, played against uh, teams in our conference. Uh, play with us or we'll beat you wherever you go. And uh, I, I just had that positive type of attitude all the time. Not being, Maybe it sounds cocky. Maybe it is. I'm not telling the newspapers this. I'm telling my team this. We've got to line up. We've got to beat, beat, beat the people we're supposed to beat. And if uh, my ex is bigger than your O, that should happen unless I screw you guys up. So let's, uh, that's the way I feel on that. And Chris, just to, I mean, I think, and coach, I think a lot of fans will kind of look at it like, well, they recruited him, so it's his turn to start, and it just doesn't usually work that way. Um, that's not that you can, okay, Matt Fink's going to start till he's a senior, and then, well, that only leaves one year for Jack Sears because he came in a year after Matt Fink. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Sam Darnold came in the same time as, Ricky Town and Town didn't last that long after he saw what Sam Darnold can do. Um, yeah, and you know, and if they bring in, they could bring in someone from the class of 2019, like a JT Daniels or something, and he lets every, you know, lights everyone on fire. You know, Matt Barkley came in and started as a freshman. There, it just doesn't happen that way, Chris. So it's, I don't think you can have enough good quarterbacks, especially now where people will transfer if it's not going to go their way. And so we've seen. Grad transfers and, and, you know, guys do well from Russell Wilson on down. Uh, we've seen that kind of stuff happen. We've seen guys transfer early on, like we saw Recky Town transfer out. It'll work itself out, but I don't think you want to say, I, I like, you know, we got two good quarterbacks. Let's not recruit anymore. Like, I just don't think you can do that and be successful. I agree with you 100%. Uh, <clears throat> I used to tell my team, we'd have a team meeting at the end of the season. I'd say, guys, we're going into our off season. Got a week off, then I want you to start reporting to our strength coach. I'm going, I'm going hunting. And they, uh, they'd say, what do you mean you're going hunting? I said, the staff and I are going out to find some players that are great players, and I hope that they put you all on the bench. And they'd look at me like, coach, what are you talking about? I'd say, because if I can find better players than you and guys that want to work harder and so on, that means we're a better football team. But if you allow that to happen, if you allow me to bring in somebody that is a new player coming into our program and you know what we're doing and you have the opportunity of starting and doing, then it's your fault. It's not mine because my job is to make us a better football team. So you get in there and you do what you're supposed to do because I'm going out there to find the best players in America that I can get to come to this school. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing my job as a football coach for the university of this football team unless I tried to do that. I don't see how I could be saying I'm doing my job when I might get the best players to play here. So that's the type of philosophy I had. My team knew that, and that's the way we tried to do it. We wanted to go out and get players that were better than the players we had. Then we knew we were getting better, and if the returning players allowed that to happen, it wasn't our fault. It was theirs. 
All right, Coach, uh, let's go to Tarek. He had a question. He said, of the running backs, who do you think is the best pass catcher? Hmm. Well, I haven't seen that much of Carr. I would say Jones probably is right now. Uh, he's the most complete back, I would say. He's got the most experience. I haven't seen Davis enough to really be able to tell you or aware enough to really be able to evaluate that. Uh, but I would have to think Jones is. At least I hope he is, because he's going to be playing probably more than anyone else. But Carr's been able to catch the ball pretty good, and I think he's going to be able to get better in doing it. He's out there in the field catching balls now. You've got to be a complete complete player, and you don't want to substitute. If a guy can't catch the ball, he's only going to play certain downs in distance because as a defensive coordinator, you're saying you're not going to throw the ball to him. He can't, he can't uh, catch the football. So you got to develop those skills. You can't play in the NFL. You can't play anywhere now today unless you have multiple skills. So uh, I would say right now Jones is, but I can't really predict the others because I haven't seen them catch the ball that often. And the new player, Carr, uh, I'm assuming that he'll be able to do that. At least he ho- I hope he can as a, as a football coach. Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, Ronald Jones had some troubles catching the ball early on, but I think he's gotten better. I would probably put Dominic Davis ahead of him as far as catching because he's kind of a receiver type of running back. I mean, he's, I think he's definitely more natural as a pass catcher, but, and, and we haven't seen Stephen Carr in college, but he could be the best. Uh, he's done a lot of really good things catching the football. I think I talked to Dylan McCullough about that a little bit, um, on the podcast too, about how good of a pass catcher he was. And, you know, we get to see him on the seven on seven circuit a lot. So they're, that's what they're mostly doing. Um, but he really, he really was good at it. Uh, I, I definitely think Jones has gotten better. Um, but I would probably put Davis or, or even Carr going in right now. You know, James Tolan's out there catching a lot of balls yeah. too. I thought he was a senior. He's back, huh? He's back. Yeah. There's some guys that just kind of stick around a long time. You're not really sure. Hey, he's, he's got eligibility left. Wow. That's pretty cool. I want to tell you something. He's the best back in the Pac 12 that you don't want anybody to know about. I tell you, he's a good football player. He really is, and he works his tail off and uh, takes his turns when he can. I, I I really like that kid, man. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's good. It's, it's been good for the program to have him around there. Um, we got one from Jarrett, and uh, he said, "For Mister Harvey Hyde, age eighteen to twenty-three is a very uh, transitional point in time in a man's life." I should know. I'm 23. It's a transition mentally and physically from boy to man. Uh, what are some second, third, and even fourth year guys that you have noticed uh, that have made change uh, from kid to grown man physically or mentally? Uh, that's from Jarrett. You mean that's currently the part of, part of the Trojans? I would think so. He didn't specify that. I mean, but maybe there's someone, you know, a player that you coached that you kind of saw that transition to. Uh, either. <clears throat> well, you know, there, there's different type of players. There's players you uh, you recruit and you say, well, he, not, he might not play for us uh, next year, but in two years this kid's going to be a great player. He's going to grow into his body, and he's going to be a great player. He's got the skills. So Wheeler out of Santa Monica High School, you know, when he first came out, I said, man, this kid's just tall and skinny, and uh, who knows if he's going to play or not. But he matured. He got, he gained more weight every single year, and he got bigger and bigger, and finally got, I think, near 300 pounds. 
and turned out to be a player. Now, he was a three-star coming out of high school, and I didn't really think that uh, he was the same level of offensive lineman that the others were, but again, with a red shirt and coming through, he developed himself into a great player. I think Follows and the same thing. I think Follows really came and developed himself into a leader and a great football player of the current center at USC. I really do. I mean, when he first was there, he was, you know, getting bounced around and moving around at different positions, tackle, guard. He ended up finding a home at center, and I think he did a great job this last year, and I think he's going to do a great job this year. And then again, I look at kids, too, that mature earlier than others. Some kids, uh, when they're 17 years old, are already a man. Some kids, 17 years old, I mean, they don't even shave yet or barely have a beard. But I see, and I've had kids that are 17 and 18 years old just never get any better. They've already reached their maturity. They're already, uh, they're as strong almost as they're ever going to be. They're as fast as they're ever going to be. Uh, they've been playing football for so long that I'm not saying they're burned out, but they, they've learned everything they can learn and there's, they can't get any better uh, with their techniques or their athletic ability. I mean, their athletic ability can only take them so far. So they're limited. So there are kids that mature later than others, and you've got to be able to evaluate that because the kid is is tall and got wide shoulders and quick and so on. Well, he's a great athlete. We find a place for him to play. If he's the best athlete, if you took the best athlete on most of the school football teams in the country, no matter what position he played, you'd find a place to play him because he's the best athlete on the football team. And currently right now in high school, probably the best athletes at every high school now currently are probably the quarterback. You take your best athlete because he runs and masses, he does it all. So if you recruited all the top athletes in the country as far as a quarterback, you could find a place to play him, receiver, linebacker, outside rush guy, bulk him up, whatever you need to do. Because they're the best athlete. So, you know, to, to, to answer your question, is some kids mature earlier than others and some kids mature later. So it really depends uh, on the individual. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge part of the evaluation process. And I think Chad Wheeler is an awesome example that you gave. I remember going to Santa Monica High School and checking him out. And he was like 245 pounds or 250, playing defensive end. And, you know, you never think he'd be a – you know, starting left tackle, uh, he, he kind of grew into that. Now we've seen guys, and even from the same high school, um, you know, the, the year that Marquise Lee and George Farmer, uh, they came out. We saw Robert Woods the year before out of Sarah High School. I would go to Sarah High School and watch those guys play, and Woods was super productive. Farmer, super productive. And Lee was really good, but he just didn't have that level of production the other guys did. But when it came to making the transition to college, Lee made it seamlessly. And it was a, more of a struggle for Farmer. And so it was funny that you saw one guy maybe not be as good in high school, but he was even better when he was in college. And, um, you know, like a guy like Uchenna and Wusu, who, you know, put on a lot of weight and has grown, you know, he could be a, a superstar on this defense. Or, uh, you know, there's guys like Olawali Batiku that, that look the part already, but they just haven't played much football. They have to mature on the game side. There's guys that have to mature mentally. But we see it, I think physically you see it a lot. I saw a Christian Rector. I think we put a picture of him up the other day. And he's huge now. You know, I mean, he's just so much bigger than when I saw him a few times at Loyola High School. 
Uh, there's just, it, it's, it's different. It's definitely different. There's some guys that when you, they're getting recruited, that's what you get. Like that's as big or strong or fast or whatever they're going to get. And there's other guys that are like, they're still growing into their bodies and you just don't know. They could end up being a lot better than what you, what you even thought they would be. No, you're exactly right. Uh, Ryan, you're exactly right because some of these kids have been lifting weights their whole life. Some of these kids have really never been in a true uh, training uh, program and uh, never had the correct diet or the nutrition that's necessary to gain strength and muscle and weight and everything combined. And when they get this opportunity, all of a sudden their body wakes up and it's now got a new fuel level. It's got 110 octane, not a 50 octane uh, fuel in its body. And uh, and a lot of these differences like this uh, really uh, uh, affect uh, young people. And I think it's a uh, Great to see this happen, to see kids come in and mature like the ones you mentioned. And Hutchings, the way he had a great year this past year, really played at the level we all expected him to play when he came out of high school. So some kids only get one great year, but they mature a little later. And when it's their time, they contribute and they really play. And I think that that's part of what it's all about. Uh, Chris Hawkins, I remember him as a freshman. I mean, uh, he was up and down and wasn't sure what he's going to play and so on. Now he's one of the leaders on the defensive side of the football. You go through that. You mature. You grow up mentally, as you said. You become a man. Uh, when you go to college, you know, you might have a big body and a big friend frame, but you're still a kid. You're a kid. Until you get to know these guys, they're kids. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, they grow up to be men, and then they're a whole different force. It's funny, and when when people advocate playing multiple sports and not just being specialized, it's not, you know, one size fits all, but we've seen that sometimes where maybe a player gets held back, so he's, you know, a little bigger, a little stronger. He's doing football 365 days a year. There's, you know, this camp, this camp, you know, the, working with the specialist. The, it's basically you're taught to be the best possible football player you can be right now, and it makes you shine in a high school situation like no other. And sometimes those players go on and they're awesome in college too. And sometimes they're like, well, they just looked really good against other high school players because they had every advantage. That's all they did all the time. That's all they worked on. They get to college and now they're like, they kind of shrink down a little bit. They're just, it's not the same. They don't have all the advantages again. They're, you know, guys are, are your age and things like that. Um, I mean, you can see that sometimes, Coach, where the specialization, maybe it makes you look better, but it doesn't necessarily make you a better college player. I agree with you. Uh, I have a lot of conversations with parents. And if you're just going to become five years old and you have a son and he's a pretty good little athlete, you say, Coach, should I, should we start him in kindergarten? And they say, why don't you redshirt him? And they said, what do you mean? I said, just uh, keep him out and. Uh, since he's only just become five, let him start when he's six. He's a year older, he'll mature. And you know that difference in a year when you're a senior? Instead of being 16, 17, or you're going to be 18 years old, to realize the jump you have on the other athletes. Uh, some of the other athletes at that age are already in college. So uh, there's a lot of things you can do depending on when you enroll your kids in elementary school or preschool or kindergarten and so on, depending on what they want to be and who they want to be. And, uh, you know, a lot of times kids aren't ready for school and they're just turned five and you put them in and instead of being a leader at an older age, they're more or less a follower because they're very young. So all of that evaluation has to go on with parents too. 
it's funny. And then you get a guy like, uh, so I, I think it means more when you have a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster who's playing as a true freshman as a 17-year-old. Um, he didn't even turn 18 until I think it was November or something. Most of the season was already gone. He's younger, you know, by a year than some of the guys in high school still. And he's been like shining on the college level. So to me, that just says a lot like, wow, he's that good. And he was 17. Um, you know, he should be that much better when he's 23, 25, things like that. Well, you know, that, that, that doesn't happen very often, but when it does, some athletes mature earlier, like we talked about, and they're ready to do it. They're ready to take that step. And he was one that was able to do that and adjust to the speed of the game. And he's a competitor and you have to be a competitor and you can't be intimidated by who's playing against you. And you got to want to play and take that position and say, it's my position and crowd in line. And maybe you'll get a few people upset at you, but you're going to get your turns and you're going to be seen unless you practice and at least unless you take your turns and, and people see you participating, uh, then you're, you know, you're not showing your abilities and some kids can do that. And some kids stand in the back. And watch. Yeah. Juju was not one of those guys that stood in the back and watched. That's one of the things that's funny. When we go, especially the Rising Stars camp, Coach, it was, a, well, I don't want to say it was a nightmare. It was great. If you're trying to cover, like, a couple of kids and there's a thousand players out there, it makes it very difficult to, for us to do our jobs. It's much easier if the camp is, like, smaller and more elite. This was more of a... Everybody come and camp and there's like some good guys there you're trying to find and, and, you know, it's not that easy. But I love watching prospects because there's a big line and they're waiting for their turn as a DB or receiver or whatever. And they don't wait in line. They like, they'll go and then they'll kind of like work their way up and try to get in line and get, get another rep. Not like they're taking every rep, but they're, they're taking more than their share. Um, I don't know if you feel one way or, or, you know, one way or another about it, but I really like when, when players end up doing that. And, you know, Juju was one of those guys. You always got to see him do stuff. I agree with 100%. We were just talking about that. There's some kids you have to say, Hey, get get in there. What are you doing? Get, get, do he just pushed himself in front of you. And then there's others that you don't have to say anything to, because they're doing it uh, their way and they want to play and they got the confidence that in their ability and they want people to be able to see what their abilities are, and some people are just younger, as we talked about. It takes them longer, yet they do have great ability. It's just that they're more of a an observer at first to make sure they're intimidated just a little bit because of the level and the great talent that's surrounding them, and they're sometimes afraid to make a mistake and, and not do it right. So there's different – every kid's different. You just got to be able to evaluate that kid and make sure that uh, you don't make a mistake because that kid will come back and beat you. All right. Coach Harvey Hyde, follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or his website, HarveyHyde.com. A lot of stuff up there, too. Go check that out. Coach is in the 21st century here, man. He's got Twitter. He's got web pages, all kinds of stuff. You can email him. He's uh, Coach is out there, man. He knows what's going on. Well, I just try. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, I, 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 I got to say I was forced into doing it, okay? <laughs> it just, just like you, you, you read off about 15 ways people can listen to this show or this podcast. And today, if you're going to compete or be a part of the media or be a part of doing things, you adapt or die. I always used to say that to people. We adapt or die. We adapt to our talent. We adapt to our quarterback or we can't compete. And I've had to learn to uh, compete. And I compete in everything I do, no matter what that might be. And right now, I'm, I'm trying to uh, 
get out things. I get out things when all my shows are. I get things on my website. Sometimes I do podcasts on my websites. I get, you know, my packed, uh, my preseason picks will come up here shortly as far as the top teams. I have the passing a quarterback list there of who the speakers are going to be. And by the way, Ryan uh, Clay Helton is going to be our opening speaker on Friday, September the 1st, the day before the game. Oh, really? And, September 1st. Okay. Yeah, he's accepted it, and uh, and he's going to be our speaker. And if people want to come and uh, listen to him, it's going to be uh, at the University Club in Pasadena. And I think that's 171 North Raymond, one block east of Los Robles. And I would call and get my res- reservations now because it's going to be a huge crowd. And we've got great speakers here. I'm going to get that speaker list up here. I've sort of been the guy, program guy to get them all together. We've got Spanos. We've got Demoff. We've got uh, Mark Sanchez coming in, the head football coach from Bishop Gorman High School, who won the national championship the last two years and eight straight uh, state championships. Uh, at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. We've got some great uh, CIF commissioners going to be speaking. Uh, we've got some great, great Sam Cunningham's going to be speaking. We've got some uh, Roman Pfeiffer from UCLA, their director of player person, uh, player development's going to be speaking. We've got 12 speakers that are really outstanding every Friday at the University Club in Pasadena. So if you like to listen to these type of speakers, you can do that. You can go to their website or whatever, Pasadena Quarterback Club. Is it um is it a Friday evening or is it a lunch thing? What what's the... no 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 it's a luncheon. We eat at eleven thirty, twelve o'clock the program starts, and we're out of there at one o'clock one fifteen because everybody's got to go back to work. So we all know that uh, that uh, this is when it starts, and we have a great buffet. It's uh, thirty bucks, or you become a member, uh, sixty dollars to become a member, and I forget what the cost is, but it, it is just a great. Great opportunity if you want to see the best or see some of the top speakers or coaches around or athletic directors. So Clay Helton is the September the 1st. We start eating at 1130. He'll go on around 1215, and he's got to be back at USC by 130 because they have a staff meeting before they open up, obviously, against Western Michigan the next day. So it'll be the last time you'll be able to see him speak publicly and ask questions to him before the game the next day. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah, well, we'll definitely talk about that as it gets closer, too. So uh, hopefully fans of the Parasol podcast will check that out and go uh, go see him up at the Pasadena Quarterbacks Club. So, Well, Coach, uh-huh. yep. great go stuff. Ahead. Thanks so much for uh, coming on. It was fun talking some USC football again. Always fun talking to you. And another one, too, Bill Plasky from the Times is going to be there. And David Eads, from, uh, CEO from the Tournament of Roses, is going to be there. So we've got a lot of great uh, speakers on the Pasadena Quarterback Club, and I don't mean to uh, barge in and say that, but I thought I'd just throw in those names too. That's great. No, that's people that uh, some names that will spark interest among, uh, I'm sure, USC fans here in Southern California. If you're close to Pasadena, you want to go check that out, uh, especially Friday, September 1st with Coach uh, Clay Helton. All right, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Parastyle Podcast. We'll do at least a couple more. We might have Daniel Jeremiah on this week. I'm trying to set that up. He's a former NFL scout, and he uh, works for the NFL Network, does an amazing job on the draft, knows a lot about USC. So we'll talk to him. Um, we'll probably get Gerard. we got to do a recruiting podcast. We'll probably get Gerard Martinez on. There's been so many commitments. We need to talk to him. Dan Weber, I'm sure. So it might be another big podcast week. So uh, don't hold me to it, but that's the plan. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this edition, and we will talk to you next time. 
Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.